Tonight we are going to continue in Psalm 119. We're going to be in the fifth stanza of Psalm 119. That begins at verse 33. Uh, If you have your Bible open, you see each stanza begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalet, He is the letter tonight. Um, And uh, in these sections, each verse uh, begins in the Hebrew with that letter. So, if you see that in your Bibles, that's what's going on here. Of course, the uh, alliteration or whatever we might call it doesn't translate to English so easily, Uh, but that is the logic behind Psalm 119, 22 stanzas, 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. We're in the fifth stanza which in the Hebrew begins with that fifth letter, the He. I'm going to read verses 33 through 40 of Psalm 119. Hear God's holy word read for you now. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. Thus far, the reading of God's own Word. May the Holy Spirit bless it to our hearts tonight. Dear congregation, I have always been amazed since I've had children of my own how natural sin comes to them already at a young age. I'm sure it was true about me as well. In fact, my mom reminds me often that it was Uh, But I notice it more in my own children than I did in myself when I was young. But but I am amazed at how readily, how quickly they're able to put themselves first, right? I'm amazed at how hard it is for them so early to say sorry, right? I tell my case now, he's just about three, but, but, you know, even like a year ago already, or just when he was starting to talk, he'd be like, Okay, say sorry. And like, honestly, does the kid even know what sorry means? Like, could he define it? I doubt it. Yet he will not say sorry. I'm amazed at one, how one of my children in particular, it's the same one I just mentioned, the last one, has what might be described already as a potty mouth. I don't know exactly how it came about. I don't think my other children have that problem. I don't think my wife or I have that problem, but we are constantly chastening him for the words he says, and even more for the names he calls his brothers and sisters. Like, we'll just be sitting at the dinner table and be like, jerk. I'm like, you're two, right? Like, where'd you get that? It is amazing. And the point is this, we do not need to be taught the ways of sin, do we? We do not need to be taught the ways of sin. No, we as people who are sinful by nature, we are natural-born professional sinners. Sin comes easy 
to us. We, we pick up on sin really quickly. The psalmist knows this, right? He, he knows that he doesn't need to be taught how to sin. He does, however, like each and every one of us, need to be taught in the ways of the Lord. And this is the request that he makes in verse 33, at the beginning of the fifth stanza of Psalm 119. He says, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. He needs to be taught in the ways of the Lord, and so it is for each and every one of us who are natural-born professional sinners from birth. We need to be taught in the ways of the Lord. And so, who does he ask to be his teacher? Well, he asks the Lord to be his teacher, doesn't he? He asks the Lord to teach him. And and make no mistake, friends, this is what each and every one of us needs. We need the Lord to be our teacher. It doesn't matter how plain the Word of God is. Our hearts are so darkened by sin. Our reason is so scrambled by our depravity that unless the Lord Himself becomes our teacher, unless the Lord Himself opens up our hearts and enables us to understand His Word and His ways, we will not understand His Word and His ways. The psalmist gets that. I'm reminded of the disciples especially of of Peter. The disciples, of course, spent more time with Jesus than anyone. They heard Jesus teach. They watched Jesus perform many mighty miracles. They saw Him cast out demons. They saw Him calm storms. They saw Him heal the sick. They saw Him raise the dead. They saw Him multiply the loaves. They saw Him walk on water. And yet, for the longest time, (laughs) they had no idea who He was. They just just didn't, didn't get it. It didn't make sense. It didn't click. And then finally, finally, in Matthew's gospel, just over halfway through Matthew's gospel, they they get it. Jesus says, who do the people say I am? And the disciples say, well, some say you're John the Baptist, others say you're Elijah, still others say you're one of the prophets. Jesus says, very well, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus responds by saying this. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father who is in heaven. We need God to be our teacher. We need God to open our eyes and ears and hearts and mind to the truth of His Word and to the truth of His gospel and to the truth of His ways. The psalmist, he looks to God to do just that, doesn't he? He says, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Well, in verses 34 through 37, we see that the psalmist doesn't just desire for the Lord to be his teacher, but he, he desires a well-rounded education from the Lord as his teacher. You'll notice in these verses, again, 34, 35, 36, 37, he addresses his mind, his feet, his heart, and his eyes. He wants a well 
rounded education. He does not want a faith that is all head and no heart. He doesn't want a faith that is all heart and no head. He doesn't want a faith that is all talk and no walk. He wants a well-rounded education. He addresses first his head. He says, give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Give me understanding, he says. He's, he's asking God to work in his mind. I don't think it's surprising that he begins here because the fact is, this is where faith begins. The catechism reminds us that although true faith is more than a knowledge and conviction, that everything God reveals in his word is true, it's more than that. Knowledge is still a necessary part in our faith, right? Knowledge is is part of true faith. Knowledge is necessary to true faith, to know Christ, to serve Christ. There are things we must know. There are things we must understand. There are things we must comprehend. I'm reminded of the old saying that theology leads to doxology. Theology means knowledge of God. Doxology refers to the praise of God, right? So, knowledge of God, theology, leads to praise of God, doxology. And I would certainly attest to that in my own life as I've grown in grace, as I've learned more and more uh, the truths about God, as I've studied His Word and and read others who have written about His Word, I, I find my heart growing increasingly full of praise and joy for the Lord Jesus. And so the first thing the psalmist asks for is understanding. He he looks to the Lord to increase his knowledge of the Word. He wants to be able to to cognitively grasp at a deeper level these great truths set forth in God's Word, the truth of the law, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the cross, the truth of the Christian life, and so on and so forth. Next, the psalmist addresses his feet, doesn't he? He says in verse 35, lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. So the psalmist first said, Lord, help me to know your ways. Now he says, Lord, help me to walk in your ways. Lead me in the path of your commandments. What's interesting here is that the Hebrew word translated path is a word that's used often to describe a well-worn path or a beaten-down, well-traveled path. And ultimately, that is what the path of God's Word is. It is a well-worn, beaten-down, heavily-trodden path. It's a path that many before us have traveled upon. It's a path that maybe moms and dads have traveled upon, or that maybe grandmas and grandpas have traveled upon. It's the path that all of Christ's people down through the ages have traveled upon. Abraham and Moses walked down this path. David and Elijah walked down this path. Daniel walked down this path. Okay, this isn't, some, this isn't some new path. The psalmist here isn't asking the Lord to lead him on an overgrown path or a never-used path. He's not saying, Lord, take me, down a, take me down a new path. No, he's saying, Lord, lead me on that well-worn, well-traveled path of your commandments, that path that all your children down through the ages have traveled upon. Jeremiah speaks of this path in Jeremiah 6.16 when he says, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look. 
ask for the ancient past where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. So the psalmist prays for his head that he'll know the Lord's truth. And then he prays for his feet, that he'll, that he'll find strength and grace to walk in the Lord's truth. And then in verse 36, he prays for his heart. He says, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. What's the psalmist saying here? He's saying, Lord, Lord, I don't just want to walk in your ways in a perfunctory, habitual, heartless way. I don't want to walk in your ways as one who is just going through the motions. No, I want to walk in your ways as one who truly wants to walk in your ways. I want to walk in your ways not just externally, but, but internally as well. I want my walk to flow out of my heart. And what we might notice together here is that in this verse, the psalmist sets before us what are really the, the two possible heart inclinations that any one of us might have. Our heart could either be inclined toward, toward God and toward His Word, or our heart could be inclined toward ourselves and towards the service of ourselves. As the psalmist here realizes, you can't, you can't serve two masters. You can't have it both ways. Your heart can't be inclined toward God and to yourself. And so he says, Lord, incline my heart to you and to your testimonies, not to myself and to selfish gain. Now, again, which of these two inclinations is the natural one for the sinner? Well, it is the inclination toward selfish gain. That's the inclination of our hearts from the moment we're conceived. That's our inclination from birth. And so we need God, we need God to incline our hearts otherwise. We need God to incline our hearts toward Him. We need God to help us love the things He loves and hate the things He hates. The psalmist prays for that here. So the psalmist, he wants to be taught by God. And he, he wants to be taught by God in a well-rounded manner. He wants God to teach his mind, his feet, his heart. Last of all, he asks God to teach his eyes, doesn't he? He says, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life according to your ways. James Boyce says this verse... Psalm 19, verse 37, this verse occurs in Pilgrim's Progress at a familiar point in the narrative when Christian and faithful come to Vanity Fair on their way to the celestial city. Here, when they come to Vanity Fair, all the merchandise in the world is for sale. But those who are on their way to the celestial city do not fit in with these people. And when they're asked, when Christian and faithful are asked to stop, stop in Vanity Fair and to, to buy some of the merchandise, they put their hands over their ears and they run away crying, turn my eyes from beholding vanity. That's how it is in Bunyan's version. And, and, and that sentence, turn my eyes from beholding vanity, that, that is exactly what Psalm 119.37 says in Bunyan's Translation of the Bible, right? Turn my eyes from beholding vanity. It's the Christian's wise response to the allurements of this world. But that's what the psalmist here asks for, isn't it? He, 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 wants, he wants a well-rounded education. He wants God's Word to affect his mind, to affect his feet, to affect his heart, to affect his eyes. Now, the psalm takes a turn in verses 38 through 40, 
And one way to look at these verses, and, and one way to look at these verses, is to see the psalmist here as praying against the things that might keep one from being taught by God. Right? Any one of us who's ever gone through school, uh, or maybe sat through a sermon, uh, knows that there are many distractions. Right? There are many things that keep us from being taught by God. Right? I know. You know. I was trying to think of what used to distract me when I was in school, and, you know, it might be someone passing notes or something, or it might have been that cute girl who I married, you know, sitting a couple rows ahead. Um, I'm not sure if I married every cute girl I looked at in school back then, but, um, you know, there are all sorts of things that distract us and all sorts of things that, that keep us from being taught. Well, in life, too, there are things which keep us from being taught by God. There are things which keep us from growing in grace and sanctification. In verses 38 through 40, the psalmist, after praying for this well-rounded education, he prays against some of these things that keep God's people from being taught by God. The first of those things is unbelief. Verse 38, confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. The psalmist here is praying against unbelief. He's praying against the doubt that keeps us from being taught by God. He's saying, God, make me sure of your word. Make me confident in your word. Help me not to doubt your word. Okay, there's nothing, there is nothing that turns a believer quicker from the path of service to God than unbelief, right? Adam and Eve, what they do when they doubted God's word? They ate from the tree they were forbidden to eat from. When the people of Israel in the wilderness doubted God's word, they grumbled and they complained, and eventually they were sentenced to 40 more years in the wilderness. When Peter doubted God's word, he stood in the way of Christ and His cross rather than following Christ to the cross. Okay, nothing turns God's people from the path of His commandments quicker than unbelief. Spurgeon says, if we possess the spirit of service, yet are troubled with skeptical thoughts, we can do nothing better than pray to be established in the truth. Times will arise when every doctrine and promise seems to be shaken and our mind gets no rest. Then we must appeal to God to establish us in the faith, for He wants all His servants to be well instructed and confirmed in His Word. The psalmist prays against unbelief. Secondly, the psalmist prays against reproach. Verse 39, turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Another illustration from Pilgrim's Progress might be helpful. Christian is on his journey to to the celestial city, and he's confronted by that devilish character known as Apollyon. And Apollyon, he is a devilish character, he's an accuser. And he heaps reproach upon Christian as he reminds Christian of all the places in his life where he has been unfaithful to Emmanuel. And no doubt the devil does that to us too, doesn't he? He heaps reproach on us in the same way. He points out our sin. He reminds us of the places where we've been unfaithful to our Savior in our own lives. And sometimes he goes a long way back in our lives and he reminds us of some pretty terrible and shameful things we've done. Of course, why does he heap this reproach on us? Well, he does it to discourage us in our service to the Lord. He does it to to make us think that we're not worthy to be called servants of the Lord. Well, the psalmist, he knows that this, this reproach 
which can be hurled on sinners, he knows that it's spiritually detrimental. And so he prays against it. He says, turn away the reproach I dread, for your rules are good. He's saying, he's saying, Lord, take away that reproach that keeps me from walking in your way. Take away from me that reproach that bogs me down in the Christian life and that keeps me from following hard after your rules. Take away from me that reproach which keeps me from advancing in holiness. Of course, it's good for us to remember that God answered the psalmist's prayer here at the cross, didn't He? At the cross, God turned away the reproach that the psalmist dreaded and that the reproach that, that we dreaded, that we dread still. At the cross, God took all our shame and He took all our guilt from all our sins and all our failures and He removed them from us as far as the east is from the west through the sacrificial death of His Son and our Savior Jesus. Let us not forget that, friends. When Satan tempts us to despair, when Satan tells us of the guilt within, Upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Or I actually, that's from a hymn, Before the Throne of God Above. But if you'd read Pilgrim's Progress, I love Christian's response uh, to Apollyon who is reminding him of all his unfaithfulness. Christian says, all this is true and much, much more which you have left out. But the prince whom I serve is merciful and is ever ready to forgive. That's what he says to the accuser. Take a hike, right? There's grace for those worthy of reproach. Finally, the psalmist prays against spiritual deadness. He says, Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. The psalmist knows, and he's prayed for this already throughout Psalm 119. He knows that unless the Lord gives him more life, spiritual life, unless the Lord gives him more quickening grace, he will, he will never truly be one who is taught by God. Spurgeon says, we need quickening of every hour of the day, for we are so sadly apt to become slow and languid in the ways of God. It is the Holy Spirit who can pour new life into us. Let us therefore not cease crying out to Him. But isn't that, isn't that true? Haven't, haven't we felt that as we've walked with the Lord, how, how quickly we can become slow and languid in the ways of God? It's amazing to me just how, how dead I so often am to God's ways and to God's truth. The psalmist understands that about himself. He says, give me life. Right? He prays against the deadness that is common to sinners. So here in this fifth section of Psalm 119, the psalmist, knowing that he is a natural-born sinner who is very accustomed to and familiar with the ways of sin, he asks God to be his teacher. And he says, teach my mind, teach my feet, teach my heart, teach my eyes in accordance with your word. That is, make me all together holy. Leave no part of my life unaffected by your word and by your grace. He also prays against those things which hinder us in our spiritual walk. Things like unbelief, things like disgrace, things like spiritual deadness. Perhaps this week we could Adopt a similar prayer, praying for God to be our teacher and for His Word to affect the whole of our lives and for those things which so often hinder us to be taken away. Let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, we, we don't need to be taught the ways of sin. 
but we do need to be taught the ways of holiness and righteousness and truth. We need to be taught the ways of Your Word. Father, we thank You for that which You've taught us thus far, and we pray that You would continue teaching us Your truth in order that we might become more like Christ in every way. We thank You for our Savior tonight, who has taken our reproach upon Himself and removed it from us so that we might stand before You as holy and righteous in Him. It's in His name we pray, amen. Why don't you stand for the parting blessing and then we'll sing our closing song together. Dear friends, our God sends us out with these words. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. Amen. Number 462 is going to be our closing number in the blue book. 462, Savior like a shepherd lead us. And uh, we will sing verses 1, 3, and 4, Carlene, 1, 3, and 4 of 462.